Hey, investors, Bradley here from Watson Estates, and you're listening to the largest and fastest growing podcast for Toronto real estate on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. As a broker investor, I want to know what's going on in the real estate market, and there's been a lot on the go. But the reason that I find we are generally reliable, and hopefully you've been getting value from our show, has been that we have reliable sources of information. I've had the opportunity of being featured, but today I'm really excited to bring on the managing editor of one of my favorite news sources, Stories. Her name is Penelope Graham, to dive into what she expects is going to happen as we see a massive shift specifically in the interest rate environment here in Canada. How is that going to play out in your real estate prices, in your investment portfolio in the GTA? Penelope has a very well thought out and detailed response to every one of my questions. She is very smart, and I love having smart guests on that can challenge my worldview and honestly can be a reliable source for you in a world of mixed emotions and confusion and people telling you that the world is going to a hell in a handbasket. Well, today we're going to get some clarity. We're going to get a different opinion than my own and very much with a well thought out strategy and, and, and line of thinking placed behind it. When you enjoy this episode, do me a favor, please, please share this on Instagram with your friends. We want to be able to invite investors from across the GTA to come and join us on this journey of identifying and really translating what's going on in the market to you. And please tag us as well at Watson Estates. It'll make me feel nice and uh, make it all worth it. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. Penelope, thank you for joining us on the show. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm great. I am a big fan of your work. I love sharing the insights that Stories um, shares and really giving feedback. And out of many of the different media sources, you guys seem to, I love the balanced approach, but I also find that I agree with many of the points. Um, I've also had the opportunity of being interviewed by some of your uh, reporters. So mm-hmm. we have a really cool relationship and I'm excited that you could come on and share the, the heart of the editor on our show as we dive deep into um, what is probably going to be the story of the year, which is interest rates. So before we get into all of this, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your team and um, yeah. what you do on a daily basis. Absolutely. Uh, so as you mentioned, um, I'm the editor at Stories and uh, we're a, a daily digital real estate news publication. Um, we have a focus uh, for coverage on the Canadian marketplace. and. I myself have been writing about real estate, uh, mortgages, monetary policy, um, really for about the better part of a decade, uh, both from a news context, uh, but I've also got a background on the rate comparison side, uh, the brokerage side, um, you know, so one way or another, I have been talking about thinking about or writing about the Bank of Canada for quite some time. <laughs> and I'm sure the Bank of Canada is reading your stories too. So it's a two-way conversation. We listen and we report and then it all goes, and we end up just saying the same thing after, at the end of the day. <laughs> but um, that, would, that would certainly be thrilling, which I think says a lot about <laughs> me, <laughs> that, that I would be thrilled that the monetary policy leaders in Canada are reading my work. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's a very topical point, interest rates right now, and uh, certainly one of the hottest stories uh, that, that we've been covering on a regular basis. Um, huge implications for consumers, for agents, you know, everyone in the industry. It's really touching everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe it's not a so direct that we have um, McClem listening to everything we say, but definitely it, it trickles down into the consumer and the consumer consumer is giving that feedback to the various associations. So, but yes, 
So I, right out of the gate, would love to just get, what are you guys seeing and reporting on in general in the market today? There's been some wild changes happening. Um, what do those look like? Right. So, you know, the short answer to that is that it's just getting more expensive for absolutely everyone to access credit and to borrow money. Um, and the implications of that are trickling down really in every context. Certainly they are hitting home buyers, but they're hitting consumers in general. Uh, really, you know, every Canadian is, is feeling this in, in some shape or form. So, um, you know, this hiking cycle from the Bank of Canada, it has quite a, um, a dramatic mandate. It, it needs to transition the economy out of what has been a stimulus mode, which is what we needed during the pandemic, you know, to, to keep credit liquid during those lockdowns and, and to support the economy. And now it's entering into an era where it has to fight historically high inflation. So that is quite a turnaround. Um, you know, as a result, we know that there's going to be a number of additional interest rate hikes uh, to come in 2022, likely into 2023. We have already seen two so far this year. Um, of course, that half point hike that, that we absorbed in April uh, following the quarter point hike uh, in the previous that's brought the overnight lending rate to a full 1%. Um, so it's about 75% higher than where we had been sitting since March 2020, um, when the bank implemented an emergency rate cut at that time because the pandemic uh, was coming down the pipe and, and lockdowns were happening. Um, so it really does reflect the, uh, the about face strategy in terms of coping with the current economic climate. And you know, just to give it some perspective, it's still a very historically low interest rate environment, but the last time we saw a 1% overnight lending rate, that was back in 2017, which was the last time the bank was in a hiking cycle. And at that point, it went as high as 1.75% anticipated range, a goal range between 2 to 3% uh, before the bank achieves what is considered neutral. And, and what that essentially means is the rate... Um, is not so accommodative that it's going to juice borrowing behavior, but it also won't necessarily incur financial hardship for borrowers. So that really does leave room for a few more rate hikes. Um, and borrowers are going to be squeezed each time. Um, in terms of the actual financial hit, it obviously depends on the size of your mortgage, the type of mortgage product. Uh, I've seen one calculation out there that finds um, that the most recent half point hike will translate into about $26 more per month per $100,000 of loan. So if you've got an $800,000 mortgage, which many people in the GTA are carrying, you're looking at about, you know, over $200 more a month. Uh, and that's not insignificant. You know, that is a tangible implication for a household budget. Um, you know, so it's, it's real changes to affordability. Uh, and, and they're happening at a much faster cadence than, you know, consumers have seen really in recent memory. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it would be ignorant to assume that though we have seen a bit of a cool down in the prices of homes, that yeah. affordability is almost like a disconnect. Affordability does not equal price. Um, and we've been so fixated on price for so long. And in exchange for sacrificing price in some segments, especially in some of the, the uh, busier markets in the GTA, especially, yeah. um, we are, it's coming at a cost of affordability. So 
it's a really interesting dynamic and you're obviously far more, I love, I love talking about these subjects, but I cannot claim to be an expert in the same way. And I, I find it interesting, like in this, what was set, what we watched be planned to pull us out of a struggling COVID market was to be led by real estate. So mm-hmm. I really wonder, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I really wonder what percentage of that inflation number is attributed to real estate because real estate is a massive component of our market. Would the cool okay. down we've been experiencing across the country be a leading indicator that inflation has already been seriously curbed or does it go so far beyond real estate that real estate is more of a victim of inflation that's happening in other markets and other industries? Mm-hmm. So it's important to note that in the, in the CPI, the, the basket of goods, real estate actually isn't included in that. Um, So this 6.7% number that we saw reported in March, that doesn't include real estate prices. That includes, I know it's mind blowing to think that they're not being included. And, you know, there there are economists out there that have argued for the case that, you know, this this should be included in the basket of goods. That is a, you know, a topic that's been discussed. Um, So what inflation really has been based on lately, um, you know, it's the, the supply chain challenges that have persisted throughout the pandemic, making everything more expensive. And that was already pretty crucial uh, prior to the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, which of course has really put a boil under energy prices. It, it's caused heightened geopolitical conflict. All of these are contributing factors. And so you know, in, in terms of how this trickles down to affordability, you know, like you said, lower home prices do not necessarily equal affordability. Consumers, home buyers are really kind of in this triple vice right now. So, of course, home prices are still reaching historical highs. Uh, most recent TREV numbers showed that they were up year over year by 18 percent. Um, you know, that that average is hovering around the 1.3 million mark, which is enormous. 1.6 million for a detached over $800,000 for a condo unit, Uh, you know, so maybe we are approaching an affordability ceiling there, but at the same time, you've got borrowing criteria tightening. Um, So it's becoming more expensive to take those mortgages out. Uh, This trickles down into things like the mortgage stress test, you know, currently, um, you know, under the OSFI guideline B20, you have to prove that you can qualify either at 5.25%, which is the current benchmark rate or your contract rate plus 2%. And now that all of the mortgage rates are on the rise, both on the fixed and the variable side, it's highly anticipated that we're going to see that benchmark rate rise and that the the stress test is going to get even tougher. And then beyond that, we have inflation itself that's squeezing Canadian consumers. So everything from groceries to gas are becoming more expensive. So you really have this trifecta of these economic hardship factors and it's limiting purchasing power, which I think we are starting to see reflected in the market. you know, as, as I know you're, you're well aware, the, the official numbers aren't out yet to show, you know, just how much slower sales have been, but we know the agents are seeing it. Um, we're hearing anecdotally that uh, there's far fewer people uh, booking showings, that there are fewer offers on offer night. Um, they're seeing a resurgence in things like bully offers, and those bully offers are being accepted rather than, you know, agents insisting that you wait for offer night. Uh, you know, even 
a resurgence of things like offer conditions, you know, so on financing or upon inspection. And it would have been almost laughable as early as January to see offer conditions being successful in the GTA market. Um, so, you know, that, that really reflects just how things have shifted. And, you know, we see a lot of comparisons to what's happening in today's market with 2017, for example. Obviously, the economic and geopolitical picture is very different. But back in 2017, Bank of Canada was having a hiking cycle. Uh, there was a lot of policy coming down the pipe, you know, with um, uh, the fair housing plan uh, from the then liberal provincial government. Uh, there were a lot of new policies that you know, kind of had buyers spooked. They didn't necessarily want to jump into a fluctuating market. Saw a lot of supply coming back online at that time. Uh, so there's certainly parallels today. I agree. And I, I've said that on the show. It's nice to, because I, mm -hmm. you get obviously different perspectives and a lot of people have said, this is nothing like 2017. I guess I haven't been in the industry long enough, but it's the best uh, similarity that I've seen. Um, and so mm -hmm. I have to lean on that that will be how, what plays out and, and we can learn a lot from 2017. But one of the things you touched on was the stress tests. I don't think I've actually spoken about this on my show, but I have spoken to some of your, uh, your writers about this. And you mm -hmm. guys, I think are the only uh, news source that discussed this idea of the stress test being impacted. I think mm -hmm. that's a big deal, especially when we're seeing banks with this expectations of higher than much higher than expected interest rate increases coming down the pipes. They're sitting mm -hmm. at 5%, which some banks are now at a five-year fix. They're a, yeah. They are looking at a stress test of 7%, um, mm -hmm. like, which is just incredible given that we were like, we, we've almost been complacent looking and saying 5.25 like or 4. Like we've always been looking at the stress test number, but not looking at the fine print that says as soon as the interest rates go beyond that, it's going to get that much harder. And I, and I obviously we're seeing mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff you are. We've talked about it on our show. The numbers are going to paint a pretty uh, grim picture for people that have purchased and now need to sell, there's going to be a lot of issues and people that are caught in the crossfire of, of a market mm -hmm. that shifted in what feels like a matter of weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you're right in that conditions have shifted very rapidly. And that always seems to be the case when, when the market sentiment turns yeah. in regards to stress tests specifically, it's not necessarily an automatic change when rates go up. Um, you know, this is um, under the purview of OSFI. Uh, so they are keeping in mind as well, and the Bank of Canada has to keep this in mind as well, is that there is no benefit in truly shocking the Canadian consumer. They have to walk a very fine line to achieve, I hate this term, but soft landing. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you overly shock borrowers, that could lead to a housing overcorrection. Um, you know, certainly there's been a lot of calls for housing correction in general because affordability has been suffering, but housing overcorrection would have implications for the economy at, at a, as a whole. Um, and, and you don't want to also create credit shock. Um, so one thing to keep in mind, you know, that's really important that the Bank of Canada mandates is the cost of borrowing between the consumer banks, right? That, that's why we see the overnight lending rate then reflected in prime rate, which is then reflected uh, in, in the variable product pricing. And they don't want to necessarily freeze up credit between the banks. Um, so it's, it's very important that they don't crank that lever too 
too dramatically and too hard. They, they do have to be very mindful of how this is all being absorbed. So um, it, it's pure speculation for me to say that OSPE will not tweak the uh, the stress test rate, um, but it but it is you know, something that they review on an annual basis. They have already looked at it for this year. Could they look at it again, given how, how things are changing? It's possible. Interesting. So it's not just necessarily automatic. It is, uh, there's, there's people that are trying to temper the market a little bit and in the shock and in the craziness. Awesome. So you mentioned briefly variable. I, I'm curious, um, I guess two sides. One, where seems to be the best opportunity in the coming maybe two years, but also what do consumers seem to be most interested in as far as the products? Um, obviously fixed rate have seriously jumped up um, even in yeah. advance of people's recognizing the market was shifting because the banks definitely did. Um, mm -hmm. And so variable finds itself in this unique advantage, but I'm curious, what is the, what's the perception out there? Mm -hmm. So variable from a historical perspective has always been a better financial deal. Um, you know, th there has been studies that have been done that have shown even when there has been a hiking cycle, uh, borrowers who have variable rate products tend to pay less over time than their fixed rate counterparts. Um, but, you know, it all it always comes down to individual borrowers risk appetite. Um, so for some out there, there still is benefit if they can carry those those mortgage costs of locking into a fixed rate because fixed rate provides a lot of peace of mind right um you know you you generally have set monthly payments you know likely over a five-year horizon uh, what your debt servicing costs are going to be uh, so there still is benefit there um and, and as i mentioned yes we are starting to enter an era where we're seeing over four percent um posted fixed rates but from a historical perspective again still fairly low uh, when you compare it to what we saw in the mid 2000s, for yeah. example. It's just that today's borrowers, today's first time buyers, today's millennial borrowers, you know, 2008, that buyer group was in college. They weren't buying homes yet or taking out significant amounts of, of debt. Um, so they've never seen it before. Yeah. It is a, a brand new rate environment for that group. Um, so I, I think that the appetite for variable is, is still quite high. Um, again, a 1% overnight lending rate, still very low from a long-term perspective. Uh, you know, we're looking to eventually achieve that, that range between 2 to 3%. Um, and I know everyone draws parallels to the you know, late 80s and early 90s when, when they were significantly higher than that. Um, you know, no one has a crystal ball, but I think as long as inflation does manage to get underhand by the bank uh, in the near future, it, it won't lead to that. And I think that variable will still continue to be, um, you know, very advantageous and a very competitive product. Yeah, I think it'd be ignorance of economics to suggest that interest rates shouldn't go be going up. I think it's a very healthy thing. Um, in fact, I think it should have been done a little sooner if I had a say on it. But the fact mm -hmm. that we're doing it and maybe playing a little bit of catch up is definitely playing itself out. So mm -hmm. you're certain you're certainly not alone in that sentiment that Bank of yeah. Canada is behind the eight ball on on what's going on with inflation. But I get I get the concern as I look at some of the charts of inflation relative to interest rates. It's just a massive mm -hmm. gap that's there. Mm -hmm. um, that point that you mentioned that real estate doesn't play out in the CPI, the real estate prices. 
um, is concerning because that puts me as an investor and I'm, and obviously our listeners as well in a position where it's difficult to gauge inflation apart from what we already know. Like I, I would claim myself to be an expert in the real estate category, but not in the grocery category. So the fact that our investments are relying so heavily on other industries, I guess the question is, have we noticed, and maybe it's still too soon, but have we noticed a pullback in inflation in categories outside of real estate? Not a pullback as of yet. You know, everything still seems to be on a growth trajectory. Yeah. Um, but but I suppose we'll see, you know, in, in the months to come. And, and it does take time as well for the Bank of Canada's policy to work its way through the economy. You know, it's not instantaneous. Um, things take time to trickle down. Uh, the fundamentals take time to change. Um, so, I, you know, I think the next six months are going to be extremely crucial in terms of where, where we see the direction of inflation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it is an interesting time right now for investors for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, one, when cost of borrowing is going up, um, that, that cuts into their profit margins, certainly. We already know that if, if you have rental properties in the GTA, for example, um, you know, the, the profit margin from that is the, the value of the property over time, the, the rents aren't necessarily net positive, uh, and it's been that way for some time. Um, you know, so so as affordability becomes more challenging, it's going to hit the investor group as much as it's going to hit, you know, the end user group. Um, and, and I think that there's been a number of new policies that have been introduced as well. Um, you know, of course, there's that uh, foreign buyer ban, but I think what's going to be... Um, you know, a, a lot more hard hitting are the are the ones that do target the, the domestic investors. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out. Yeah, yeah. So, so when we look at the banks, I know going into 2022, the, the th thought mm -hmm. process, myself included, was we would land in that low twos, two to two and a half. It's kind of the bank's perspective. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I'm curious with the speed of the increase being a little faster than expected, have they adjusted in the upward direction or are they just thinking that they're acting faster and like i'm curious obviously um obviously at the bank of canada they they are very mysterious in their comments and open-ended mm -hmm. in their willingness to increase rates but i'm curious the banks generally and that kind of thing have a kind of a pretty good idea on on what they're going to do i'm wondering what their their expectation is for the next year or two Mm -hmm. So um, it's it, funny you say that about how mysterious the commentary can be from you know, the, the governors and the deputy governors from the Bank of Canada, because uh, Governor Tiff Macklem actually said something extremely pointed and clear this week. Um, you know, he actually stated that the, the bank is considering another half point increase for the June announcement. And that is about as direct as, as you can get uh, in terms of language from them. Um, because, you know, they're, they're not really supposed to call the market. And so I think there's very strong expectation, uh, both from what central bank is signaling, uh, but but what else, what other economists have also been calling as well? Um, you know, so we've seen, I believe it was Scotiabank's Derek Holt, who said that there's a very strong case, um, you know, for a, a 75 point to 100 yeah. basis point increase. Um, you know, I, I know that representatives from RBC and NBMO have also kind of lent their voices to that chorus. Um, so it certainly seems to be a consensus that the cadence of rate hikes is increasing and coming okay. at a faster pace. Um, and again, it comes down to that catch up with inflation. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Here, here's another aspect that you can maybe um, 
the, the economics world can maybe give some clarity. I've been under the impression, maybe incorrectly, but mm-hmm. there because of um, consumers over, like we just love debt. Canadians love debt. So the higher we increase these interest rates, mm-hmm. is there a breaking point where it would be either devastating or would call the Bank of Canada question further increases and thereby kind of suppress rates more than we would expect. Is there a point, I I don't know if I'm communicating this correctly, but I'm wondering if there is this glass ceiling on interest Mm -hmm. rates that's being put there by our over leveraging in the Canadian market, or is that, Mm because I haven't heard much talk about that. I'm wondering if that's just being ignored or if that's just maybe a false impression I've had because we've seen hesitation to increase rates in in the recent past. Mm -hmm. Well, Housing costs, housing prices, and property values are a major contributor to GDP. Um, so the bank is very cautious about, as I said, an overcorrection in the market uh, because there will be very widespread implications for the overall economy. Um, you know, should uh, property prices plummet, should should things crash, for example. Um, a- again, they are they have to be very cautious to not stoke any recessionary concerns. You know, as as interest rates rise, that could lead to job losses. Of course, overall um, tighter purchasing power. So that all contributes. Um, but we are seeing a number of reports out, you know, there's been a few over the past few weeks that have indicated that consumers are already starting to feel this. Um, there was one, I believe it's from MNP uh, and, and they're a, a debt uh, agency. They had some really alarming statistics that found, I think it was half of Canadians uh, already feel that they could not stomach another $200 increase um, in, in expenses that their budgets could not could not accommodate that, and that 31% are already struggling to meet their debt servicing obligations. So the impact of rising rates is already starting to be felt by the consumer. Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, it sounds like you have um, similar thinking in that it seems more like a 2017, but I guess this big unknown, which included interest rates, I think interest rates increased faster than I even expected. Um, which would lend itself to maybe an overcorrection, and there's kind of a fear. And I think that this, you know, fear mongering bubble type of collapse people are expecting is because of a, a poor calculation from the Bank of Canada over exaggerate. So hearing that they're kind of got their finger on the pulse, that they are, you know, taking their time and aware is actually words of encouragement, I think, for a lot of people. And maybe that's where you've you've kind of lined up your thinking. But I'm curious to kind of get a little hope anyway. (laughs) That's the hope. I mean, we can all pray, right? Um, I I wonder, this is this is just a side comment. I wonder how many people at the Bank of Canada or government officials have a financial interest in the success of the real estate market, which is definitely playing itself through municipalities and and all that too. But that's a that's a separate conversation. Um, what are your thoughts? What does the next two years? This is a long time right now, but what does the next Mm -hmm. two years look like in the GTA? Um, for your mm-hmm. run-of-the-mill average home buyer, um, should they be running scared? Have we reached the bottom? Are we going to be seeing some more steps downwards? Or are we now kind of growing adjusted to this idea that interest rates are going to go up and real estate prices mm-hmm. are too? Yeah, so I'll start in the short term. Um, you know, we, we like to say that the market doesn't just shoot up like this. You know, it's, there's dips and valleys along the upward trajectory, and we're certainly entering a dip. 
um, you know, and, and there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, one, of course, is affordability, as we just, you know, spoke exhaustively about. Uh, but the other is uncertainty. And we know, again, from 2017, but, but other eras when there's been new policies put forth, that buyers are hesitant to get into the market when there's fluctuation and volatility. And we're certainly seeing that play out right now. Um, so I think that the next uh, few sets of numbers from Treb, for example, uh, likely Korea as well, um, you know, for the, the Toronto market, we are going to see a bit of a decline, a tightening in sales activity. Uh, we might continue to see an increase in supply. I think over the long term, and this is tricky because, you know, I don't know um, how pointed the recessionary risks are at this time. Um, you know, we're seeing data like uh, yield curve inversions that are indicating that, that, that this could be happening uh, on a two-year horizon. And, uh, you know, that will have far more severe implications for housing and the economy as a whole than today's monetary policy, for yeah. example. Um, but, you know, let's assume that that doesn't happen and things settle and borrowers become, um, uh, you know, they, they adjust to the new interest rate environment. Uh, you know, the, the mortgage industry also can be accommodative in terms of the types of products, you know, they're becoming more innovative with their mortgage products to help people qualify with, with this harder criteria. You know, we see trends like more co-buying, more uh, generations of families purchasing real estate together, um, you know, co-signing. Uh, all of these things are becoming, um, you know, a greater presence in the market. And, you know, I, I think that as long as, as affordability continues to push up against that ceiling, we're going to continue to see trends like that. Um, as we have seen historically, the, the Canadian home buyer has been quite resilient. Um, you know, it's this question of when will the bubble burst and when will people just not be able to afford it anymore has been asked for longer than a decade, you know, probably going on close to 15, 20 years at this point. And, and nobody has really seen that come to fruition. So, uh, you know, that's not to say that there is no um, end in sight for price growth and no end in sight for Canadian demand. But the fundamentals continue to be a severe supply and demand imbalance. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're very far off from building the supply or having the listings come online that, that could potentially alleviate that. Um, you know, very aggressive immigration targets, uh, especially for the GTA. Uh, so you've got all of these factors that are going to continue to prop up price growth, assuming that there is not some sort of unprecedented economic event. Um, but having said that, the pandemic was supposed to have been an unprecedented economic event, and we saw what happened then. So. I think we're feeling the pandemic a little now, actually. I think this is kind of, yeah. um, it's a yeah. redemption for for the, the the missed opportunity for a market correction during the pandemic. But this yeah. is really cool. I, I'm gonna, maybe I'll leave you off with one question. Uh, you obviously okay. are looking at many, many things. And um, I'm curious, obviously, um, this is a big topic. But what are your eyes closest on right now as far as data and numbers and movements as you're kind of mm -hmm. reflecting on where we head in that kind of midterm? Um, I, and to give you a second to think, I, I would agree with you. Like long term, we see a lot of these supports. I think we've got a bit of breathing room in the next couple mm -hmm. of years. Mm -hmm. um, and interest rates is one of the factors for that. But long term, we still hopefully during this 
kind of breath uh, as we try to get ready mm-hmm. for that next uh, next plunge, we are able to line things up and improve the market in a way that can help home buyers. I hope it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that we don't just let it pass and then find ourselves in the same situation later. That would be actually the worst end, I think, to the story. But back to the question, I'm curious, what are the factors, the the big movements right now that you're like watching almost on a daily basis? So my data indicators that that I keep a close eye on, uh, I look at overall levels of inventory, so active listings. Um, I look at new listings as well, but as we know, the way that Treb reports on those, they don't always show the the clear picture. Um, Having said that, I keep a close eye on the sales to new listings ratios um, because those provide the picture into just how competitive the the marketplace is. Um, So whenever the new data comes out, you know, I I look at the short term, the month over month, the year over year. Um, I find that that really reflects the shift in sentiment. Um, you know, of course, sales numbers, uh, keeping an eye on all of those. Um, I keep an eye on the bond market uh, because I find that, that that signals kind of ahead of time where things are, are going to go with pricing. Um, you know, so, so there's a number of things that I personally keep an eye on that help inform me of, of what direction the market is going in. Very good. We are going to definitely continue to uh, support what you guys are putting out as far as content. Keep up the great work. And uh, thank thank you you for contributing indirectly to our show and um, bringing our investors up to speed. I encourage everyone to jump over to uh, stories and become an avid reader as I am, as we uh, continue to formulate our own thinking. But Penelope, um, where would there be any other location or areas that people can connect with you and your team? Mm-hmm. So they can come to our site, which is stories spelled S-T-O-R-E-Y-S, you know, stories of a building, uh, dot com. Uh, we also are on Twitter. So you can find us at, at stories pub. Um, and you can find me personally. I'm on Twitter um, at pengram. Um, you can also find me through the, the, the stories handle. So please do connect. We love to hear from our readers. Um, we love to hear what's on the ground from people who are in the industry. Uh, you know, if you have a hot take, you're seeing something unfold, please get in touch and let us know. Um, we love to hear it first. Awesome. Guys, if you learned some stuff, and uh, I love these deep dive, deep conversations with uh, high level individuals that are clearly well informed. Um, if you love the show like I did, please share it. You can tag us as well at Watson Estates. Penelope, thanks again for taking time to join us and we'll uh, we'll see you again soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.